Hi, I'm Jay John. Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is Paul Cowley, author of Thief, Prisoner, Soldier, Priest. Paul Cowley, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here, John. I'm delighted to have you on the programme, Paul. Your book, Thief, Prisoner, Soldier, Priest. A gripping read. Thank you. Uh, I loved it, Paul. Um, I've known you for several decades, but yes. and I knew bits, but I just having all the bits put together. So let's start at the beginning. I love the story about your mother is expecting you and uh, 5th of November and someone throws a firework. a firework and that triggers off. Tell us the story. Someone, um, absolutely, 5th of November, uh, someone throws, a, my mum and dad were, were heavy drinkers, alcoholics, so they'd been out partying. My mum was very pregnant. Someone threw a firework, it landed between her legs, her waters broke, and then rushed to hospital. And that was you? And that was me. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think I went in hospital going to be named Lyndon yes. and came out named Paul because the hospital in Manchester, just outside Salford, was run by, um, by nuns. The midwifery then was done by, because I'm old, the midwifery was done by nuns. And, uh, and they couldn't understand why my dad wanted to call me Lyndon, which they thought was an odd name for. Yes. My dad wanted to call me that because of the ex-president of the USA. That's, and they said, no, this chapel's called St. Paul's Chapel. Yes. So we think you should call him Paul. So that's how I ended that's up with the name. Ended up with Paul. The name. Yeah. Now you arrived with a bang, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and there've been a few bangs during. It's been a bit bumpy. Bit bumpy. Well, tell us about growing up. How was that? So um, my dad was uh, in his prime, six foot three, six foot four, an enormous character, very large, violent, unpredictable man. One of those characters that, when he walks into a room, he became sort of the centre of attention. But, but not massively in a positive way, in yes. a negative way. Uh, so he was from Toxteth in Liverpool. And my mum was just five foot, but again, really explosive um, and, and volatile. And my mum was from Birkenhead in Cheshire. Uh, and I was born in Salford in Manchester. So a combination of a dysfunctional parents and sort of the alcoholism, it was, it was a bit bumpy, to say the least. And one Sunday... My father came home drunk. There was a big argument. And my father unusually went to hit my mother. And I, and I got in the gap. And I got the backhand that my mum was going to get. It was a big argument. And my father said, I want you out of the house. And in my arrogance and youth, I ran upstairs, grabbed a bag, and slammed the door behind me. And got about, I don't know, 100 metres outside the house where we were living. And I thought, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I had no friends. No, no kids of my own age because my parents had really sabotaged every relationship, you know, family, yes. friends. It was just a nightmare. So I was just, I had nowhere to go. So I, I ended up on the streets. But then you got, you met a group of people who invited you. They were, were they squatting? Yeah, they were. I ended up, um, not for a while, but long enough, living in Piccadilly in Manchester, yeah. um, near a bus shelter for a while. Not long, but long enough. And one night when I was asleep, I got, my foot got kicked and I woke up and 
it was this guy that gave me a, a cup of tea, um, not much older than me really, and said, what are you doing? I had this conversation and he said, come back with me. And he was living in a squat in a place called Stockport. Mm. The road was called Hooley Range. And there was all sorts of odd bods in and out of the house and all sorts of going on. And, but actually he became, he looked after me in a weird way. He, he looked after me. Um, and I was a bit nervous in there. And, and that's unfortunately when I, I got involved in, in crime because the house was like a den of thieves. So everyone in there would kind of go a bit like Fagin. Everyone would go out and, yeah. and nick stuff and then bring it back to the house. Someone would come in and buy it and then you'd get some spoils. Yes. And that's, that's how I made a, a living, which I'm not proud of. But I wasn't very good at it. So I was the one that mostly got caught. If we were yeah. breaking into a house or a shop or a warehouse or something, it was always me with the leg hanging out, which the policeman grabbed. So that was fines, probation, bound over to keep the peace, um, which I didn't go to and I didn't do. And eventually I was in front of a magistrate's court uh, in Manchester. And that was the shock, really, because I thought, oh, I'll just get another fine. And the yeah. magistrate, I can see him now as I'm looking at you, said, you are not listening to what we're trying to do to you, Cowley. Yes. You, my son, are going to prison. And instead of walking out that dock, I went down the stairs into yeah. a cell and then off to um, Risley, HMP Risley, which was a detention on Borstal then. You end up joining the army. Tell us yes. about that, that part of your life. Well, I came out of, um, I came out of prison or detention centre. I, I didn't know what to do. I was scared. I didn't want to go back in there again. Um, and then I got a job driving a, a transit van with furniture. Then I worked in a bar at night. Yeah. I just, and I lived in a bed sit on my own. So, <laughs> so just me. And I thought, if I just stay with me, I can keep out of trouble. And then one day when I was driving the van, I saw this poster uh, just outside Manchester and it was it was brilliant marketing when I think now because it was um, it was it was two men in camouflage uniform um, the backdrop was mountains with snow on the top blue sky it was sunny uh, and they were skiing yeah. down this hill and it said underneath do you want a life of adventure or well, then join the British Army so I found out where the recruiting office was in Fountain Street in Manchester and I pulled the van up and I guess I stropped in there or walked in there arrogantly and I saw some Sant Major and I said, the stuff with the skiing and the sun and, the, and all the <laughs> kit, where do I sign? Yeah. And he said, mm, it's not as easy as that. Sit down some, we'll have a yeah. chat. And then it got to the bit where I said, I'd not long been released from Risley. And he kind of just went, oh dear, never mind. Can't really take you, your criminal records too, too current. I said, oh, is that it? He says, yeah, that's it. And as I got up to walk out, he kind of looked at me, shook my hands, looked at me and winked and said, but you never know, son, and walked off. And long story short, I did that for six months. Same conversation, same wink, same handshake, same, you never know, son, if you keep trying. And at the end of six months, I kind of stropped in there and said, before we start, can you just tell me I can't get in? Because the winking and, and the waving yes. is doing my head in. Yeah. I, I can't do it anymore. And he said, come with me. And I went round the back and I was interviewed by a senior officer, a major. And basically they said, we've been watching you for the last six months. You are pretty determined, aren't you? I said, I am, I've got nothing else. Yes, I am. And, and, and on that day, I was accepted into the army. I, was, uh, I put my hand on the Bible. First time I'd ever touched the Bible. Yes. I swore allegiance to the crown. I got a day's pay and I was sent off for training. And that was the start of a 17 year career in the military. And before you knew it, you were in Northern Ireland? 
I joined uh, January 76. I finished basic training about June. I hit my regiment in Germany in July. And the end of July, beginning of August, I was on the streets in Belfast, which was a, a bit of a shock. Yeah. Two tours in Northern Ireland I did in, in Belfast. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and certain incidences like a colleague um, yeah, it was, dying uh, and just encountering just the worst of it. Well, when you're in something, you don't, you don't see how bad it is. But yeah. writing this book, and Amanda, my wife, wrote the book. So we did some research on, you know, on Northern Ireland and the British Army. And the, you know, it started in 69, the Troubles. And, and the early 70s when I was there, was, was a pretty, it was a pretty rough time, which I didn't realise. So some of the young soldiers just couldn't handle it. And, and the incident you're talking about yes. was... Uh, was a young soldier who just couldn't cope, went off on his own um, to the showers where we were staying and, and, and shot himself, committed suicide. And, and me and a friend of mine... You had were, to clean it up, we clean were up. De detailed to clean it up. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you just... Those images just burnt on your, your hard drive. And, and that was within the first few weeks of that first... of that tour. Yes. Then we had some bombings and we had someone shot. And, yeah, it was... Um, you get used to it. Any yes. soldier who's listening or military will know, sure. but it's still quite scary, yeah. actually. And before you met your wife, Amanda, uh, you got married a couple of times. Yes. And those two ended in divorce. Well, during those 16 and a half, nearly 17 years in the army, five regiments, Northern Ireland, the Falklands, different things I did, uh, I, I, was a, I was a pretty good soldier. I was a good soldier. I, I looked the part, but, but inside there was... Just absolutely no moral compass, just completely lost, really. Uh, you know, there was, no, um, there was no God in the Cowley family, tracing yeah. it back over generations, nothing. Um, so, so no moral, godly compass there. You know, at school, I went to a school called Edgerton Park yeah. in Manchester. I don't remember RE there. In the prison you mentioned, I, I never met a chaplain. And then all those regiments and nearly 17 years in the army, I never met a padre. Not that I was looking for no, them. No, but you never met one. I n no one did the God chat to me or, you know, the Jesus thing. Uh, and I probably would have insulted them. But so, so no, no spiritual awareness, yes. no, no moral compass. And so, as you said, during those times, I went through two marriages, two divorces. I left my son to my first marriage, Clinton, when he was three. And basically it was because I, I just couldn't handle the yes. responsibility. I, I couldn't cope with looking after but then you, you met uh, Amanda, you were um, living together, dating, and you ended up um, being invited to go to a church in London called Holy, Holy Trinity Brompton. How did you get that, the invite? How did you end up going? I, met, I, I took a post into Cyprus because I realised even in my shallow state that my life was a bit of a mess emotionally and relationship-wise. So I took a posting to Cyprus to work in the Adventure Training Centre in Trudos, the only mountain they've got. You I know, know Cyprus it. very well. Oh, I do. <laughs> I remember the Trudos Mountains. So I was up there um, and it was early days, so there wasn't a lot of stuff up there. And I was just minding my own business, climbing, doing a bit of skiing, walking, all that adventure training. And I went there to get away from, to be honest, what was my issue, which was relationships and women. I just, you know, it just didn't work. So I ran away. And funny enough, if you run away, you usually run into what you're running away from. So I met this young um, art student, uh, Amanda, uh, when I was teaching some guys to, to climb. And she was, um, 
she was a very different woman to what I was used to. Um, and I, and I, I very quickly fell in love with her. Not that I wanted to say that. And, and I hid, oh, it's awful even saying it, you know, I hid my past for yes. 18 months. Yes. So she thought I was a single guy. Um, and then I got to the point where I, I was falling in love with her and I thought, I'm going to have to tell her, I can't keep all this two marriages, a child, everything else, all that stuff. And I told her and it was, um, it was a bit tricky, um, but it, it, it bonded us together. So I met Amanda, we moved in together. Yes. Um, I left the army, we moved in together. And then um, really, long story short, it was Amanda's brother, James, who said, um, you know, why, why don't you try this church? Yeah. HTB, uh, what the heck is that? Holy Trinity Brompton. Because <laughs> yes. I, I didn't know one end of a church from another. I really, I'd done services in the military, but you know, I was a sergeant and, and you're at the back and you're watching the lads, you're not interested. So, and then when we went in, really it was someone gave me a leaflet for an alpha course. I looked at it and I thought, oh, it's about God. It's free and there's some food and I'll do a course on God. Yes. 17 years in the army. Yes. I've done courses on everything. Yes. I thought I'd do a course on God. Oh God. Uh, and, I, and I got more than I bargained for on so that course. So then you and Amanda went and did this course called we, Alpha. We did the course called but Alpha. For those who don't know, what, what is that? It's, it's like an introduction to the Christian faith. So for someone like me who was 40 years an atheist, no, no idea. The only time I used Jesus was a, a swear word. Yeah. Um, and I went on this course and, and basically it breaks down... Um, all the different elements are the key elements of the Christian faith. Who is Jesus? Why did he die? What about the Bible? Good and evil. And I thought, do you know what? I'll just, I'll just sit through it. I was completely yeah. out of my depth. The group were very sweet to me. The, the group leader, um, a guy called Jeff Wilmot, who embarrassingly I still know, was so nice to me because I was so rude. Yes. I was so uncomfortable. I just wanted to make his life miserable. Yes. Uh, but he was so nice. You know, he'd say to me, that's a really good question, Paul. And they weren't good questions. <laughs> no. They were awful. And it was, it was a combination of him. You know, now in retrospect, it was God calling me, which I didn't know. But it was him and it was the people in the group. And it was, it was just all new to me. You know, I, didn't, I knew nothing of any of it. And we went through that course together. Uh, and I had a moment on, on the weekend. There's a weekend where you talk about the Holy Spirit. Again, I had no idea what that was. Um, I found out he was, he was a person. Uh, and they talk about uh, who is he, how can you get to know him. And it was on that weekend during those talks. Yes. That, again, I just, I don't know, I just felt I had this image of, um, I used to do a little bit of boxing in the army. Yeah. And if your opponent is too strong, your, um, your colleagues in the corner will throw the towel in. That's what that means. Yes. Basically, you're too strong. And I felt like, um, I felt like I've just had enough of, um, I've had enough of fighting, of relationships, of this drink, of debt, of women, of stuff, of treadmill, of, it was just, I just wanted some peace. And, and I felt this voice in my head, I didn't know it was God then, saying, why don't you just throw the towel in, kid? Yes. Just throw the towel in. And, and I literally, in my head, just threw a towel in and said, if, if you're up there, and all this stuff I've heard is true, and, and you can love someone like me and help me, then let's go for it. And, and I felt a, a hand on my shoulder and um, someone prayed with me. I broke down into tears and, and, and that was the start of my, wow. that was the start of my journey. And did a similar thing happen to Amanda? Yeah, later on, I, um, 
I came in. I came into the kingdom like a roaring lion. I became Billy Graham overnight. Not not a great person to be around. I was very black and white. I was I was quite judgmental, and I was just learning everything new. And and we went to these services at Holy Trinity Brompton HTB, and uh, Amanda, who'd grown up really a Christian within the Christian faith, but then moved away from it for lots of reasons. University, college, meeting me. We lived together for eight years, so I had this I had this moment. And then um, a few weeks later, Amanda came to the church. It was a service um, and someone was talking about something, I can't remember. And I remember Amanda just getting up and I said, where are you going? And she kind of got up and went forward. And that was, that was her being blessed yes. by the Spirit of God. And, and then she changed and kind of understood where I was. And then yeah. it just, you know, God's just very gracious. Absolutely. Very gracious. And then you got married and then you got baptised. So you got married. Um, you've been doing your reading. Very good. I have. We got married um, in a registry office yes. in, in a place called Sheepy Magna up in Co- near Coventry. Um, then we had a blessing in a, in a service in a little village church. And then we got baptised the next day in the river by James, Amanda's brother, who at the time was a Baptist minister, and, and dunked us in the water there, yeah, which was a bit cold. But as, as your book says, thief, prisoner, soldier, priests and you you become that priest how yes. does that happen <laughs> you know from you know when you take into account your story how do you end up becoming a priest well i did that alpha course yes um and so i, I became a, a christian i wasn't quite sure what that was but you know i was a christian things were starting to change in my head i was starting to get in different views i, I think i got a conscience all, all that stuff was it was it was a bit of a crazy time and then a lady on the staff at, at HTB, a lady called Emmy Wilson. Oh, yeah, I know. You know Emmy. Emmy. Uh, well, a combination of Emmy and the Holy Spirit, which yes. is quite powerful, said to me, would you like to come on a prison visit? And I said, no, not really. Anyway, she's persuaded me to go. And I went down to Dartmoor Prison. I had an encounter not only with the men in the prison who were relating to my story, which was a surprise, I also had this encounter with God saying, I've got a plan for you and I've got a purpose and and it involves this, confusing, driving home. Um, And and then when I got home, this whole picture started to pull together about prisons and I thought, I wonder if we take this Alpha course into the prisons. I wonder if the men could get, well, I got, let's try it. So I did some volunteering. I was running a health club at the time and then... um, Sandy Miller, who you know very well, yes, really, he was, uh, he was one of the ministers of HDB. He was the vicar yeah. of HDB before the vicar now, Nicky Gumbel, uh, and and helped me a lot and still mentors me now. He basically said, again, why don't you come on staff and and help this prison work? Yeah. Unbeknownst to me, Emmy Wilson had put a paper into the board suggesting that maybe someone like Paul Caldy could come and help because it was starting to take off and. I went on staff in 97 as a prison pastor. I had no idea what the pastor bit meant. And basically, Sandy just had faith in me and said, you know, if this, if this has got God in it, this prison work, it'll yes. grow. Yes. And I, I got an office and I got a map and I put the prisons on and I started doing the strategy that I learned in the army. I went to all the prisons with Emmy and Alpha started to grow. And, and then during that time, Sandy called me to his office and said, we should get some training for you, Paul. And I... I can't believe I said it, said to him, I'm pretty well trained, Sandy. I'm ex-army. Yeah. You know, yes. I, I know a lot of stuff. He said, no, maybe some, maybe some Bible training would yes. be good. And, and again, 
in a few words, he recommended me for ordination training. And, uh, and I went and did three years at um, a, a non-residential college. So I, I worked at HDB and studied at the at same the time. But you've also, these last few years, you've been doing a lot for uh, men and women who leave prison. Yeah. And tell us about that. Well, when the, when the prison work took off for lots of volunteers and church leaders that were taking the Alpha Course into the prisons, it started to grow everywhere. And then I realised that um, now it's better, but then um, there, there wasn't a lot of churches that were prepared to take these men and women who didn't look like your average congregation member. You know, they, some of them had tattoos everywhere, had really bad lives. Uh, and, and they were scared. I think the men were scared of the church. The church was scared of the men. So uh, at that time, the prison minister was a, was a chap called Paul Botang, yeah. who, was, uh, who became a really good friend. And I went to see him, Christian man. And he said, you should do something that is the other side of the wall. And anyway, we came up with this idea, caring for ex-offenders. Yeah. And that was a charity that he put his name to, and it's still going. And, and what it does, it helps the men and women who have come to a knowledge of Christ in the prison, who want to change, uh, who can't do that on their own. And we help and train churches up to meet them at the gate and sort of do that transition from, from prison back into society. Uh, and and that's, that's been working. Uh, yeah. It's not easy, but it's been working. So uh, a story that comes to mind, tell us of one person that you've helped that's transformed their life and future. Well, one, 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 one chap, um, we'll call him John. Sure. John, John was in prison um, for most of his, you know, his youth. He was a very, very dangerous man, you know, carried an axe around, was very violent, uh, got into prison as a, as a young offender, came out again, more crime, back into senior prison, came out, got involved with drugs, drugs um, became quietly psychotic, um, back into prison again, you know, just a very violent man. Um, I met him in, in Dartmoor prison. Um, he did an alpha course. We started an alpha there. Uh, I mean, it sounds cliched, but it, God just hit him right between the eyes. And he, uh, he became a Christian on, on that course, uh, was about to be released and then went to the chaplain. Um, the chaplain was a guy called Bill Birdwood at the time, went to the chaplain and said, um, I feel like I want to tell you something. So the chaplain said what? He said, there's lots more crimes that I've done that I haven't admitted. Yes. So the chaplain said, once you've told me that now, I have a, a duty to, to inform. Anyway, they got the police in and he was looking at another five, six years in prison because he confessed and told the truth. What happened, there was a bit of inquiry with the, with the police and the detectives. And in the end, they were just happy to, there was no violence done, but they were happy to have a name to the crimes and they let him off. Let him off. So he was released. Um, and, and we've been working together. Anyway, John has gone, I married them. Yes. He married a policeman's daughter, which was extraordinary. He tells a story of before he got married, he was in the spare room and he woke up and he saw his future father-in-law's uniform hanging on the door, which frightened the life out of him. So John has gone on to be an extraordinary man of God. He's an evangelist. He's a worship leader. He's got his own mission and business now. He's a landscape gardener and he employs people and he's got four boys. How I mean, amazing. Even telling you, it, no, it's an extraordinary story. Absolutely. That's just one of yeah, one hundreds, of, hundreds. Yes. And there's been some that haven't made it, obviously, but you know, the ones that have are just what keep you going. Absolutely. And hugely encouraging. Paul, for anyone 
that, that is struggling, you don't actually have to be in a prison to feel that you're in prison. No. Sometimes we're imprisoned by our own beliefs or by our own behaviours. Um, what would you say to them? I think I was in prison for nearly 40 years, you know, besides the prison sentence, because what I was doing was letting my, letting my past dictate my future. So, you know, my mum and dad, I've described them briefly to you. Um, there was never any hope. No one ever invested in me except that major in the army on that day when he said he saw something in me. And I think we always have to remember that if you reach out to God, and I was pretty late reaching out, 40 years of age nearly, he just comes running to you. And, and I think there's a bit in the Bible somewhere you would know where it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah. And I think for a long time I was sick in lots of ways, but I just didn't know God. And it was just a couple of people that mentioned God to me and Jesus. And of course, Alpha, it's not Alpha that changes your life, it's God. Of course. And that journey that I just took and I stumbled my way through it, I wasn't sure, I didn't know, I was out of my depth, I was scared. There was lots of stuff going on. But when I threw that towel in and I just said, possibly to the ceiling at the time, I just want some peace. And it's there that I felt, I just felt that peace. It's like coming home to a home I never had. Yes. And, and that's, I'd say to anybody, John, just, just take a chance on God. Absolutely. You know, just, just ask him whatever you want and see what happens. What have you got to lose? And um, both you and Amanda got invited to do the Alpha course and you did. For anyone uh, watching now, Paul, um, and they're intrigued by what you've said and this Alpha course, how can someone uh, do the Alpha course? Well, at the moment, because we're in this pandemic, um, there's no real courses running in the churches where it normally runs, but you can go online. If you go onto alpha.org, just go onto Google, put alpha.org in there, and Alpha is running online even more than it ever has done before. So you can join a group. And what's exciting about the online stuff is you've got people coming from all over the world Amazing. joining these groups. So you could be in a group with someone from South Africa, New Zealand, from London, Birmingham, and then you're all discussing these massive topics yes. that we don't get a chance to discuss, really, Great. and we want to. So just go on Google, yes. put alpha.org, and it. it will lead you how to join a group. And when you jo join this group, you can, uh, you're remaining anonymous, yes. but you're part of it. But you're part of a group. So there'll be a leader of the group, someone will welcome you into it, you'll say hello to everybody, and then you'll hear a talk uh, on one of those subjects I told you about, the Christian faith. Yes. And then there'll be a group, you know, you're all on different screens and it'll be, what do you think? And if you don't want to say anything, then just don't say anything. But it, but it might, like you and Amanda, transform your life. It might just change your life. You never know. And I think that is worth having a go at. Absolutely. Paul Cowley, a delight to have you on Facing the Canon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, John. Us. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Paul Cowley. Thief, prisoner, soldier, priest. Um, a gripping read. I, I highly recommend it to you. Um, I hope that story has inspired you and uh, given you uh, a faith lift. And check out Alpha if you haven't done one before. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again. Mm -hmm.
You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media.